As you all know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and our hearts go out to all of those who have lost loved ones in the war, in the fight for our freedom. And we are so thankful for the freedom that we have today to worship here, but we know that our freedom came ultimately through the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And so we rejoice in that, but we also recognize the fight for our freedom each and every day. And so we want you to to remember this weekend and and take time that if you see uh, someone who has lost a family member in the fight, let them know that you're praying for them. Let them know that you love them and that you're so thankful for the freedom that we have today. Let's pray for all of those families who are missing a loved one today. Father, we come before your throne on this Memorial Day weekend. And Father, it's a sobering time to recognize that that freedom doesn't come free. Freedom in this country has been paid for by the lives of so many who have served in our armed forces. And Father, the freedom that we have spiritually has come from the sacrifice of your Son. And Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. And may we never take the freedom that we have for granted. Father, thank you. Lord, I pray for the families, Lord, that are uh, on this weekend in grief and pain, remembering the loss of a loved one. Uh, Father, I pray today that you would give them the peace, the shalom of God that surpasses all understanding. And Father, I pray that uh, as they go throughout this weekend, that they will recognize Father, that we have not forgotten the sacrifice of their loved one. And we are just so thankful for the freedom. Lord, we love you and praise you, for it's in your holy name. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, i got a few announcements for you. This past Thursday at 12.32 p.m., we officially own 14 acres to our north. So I am so excited. <laughs> praise the Lord. Now... I want you to know that I've been asking you to pray over the last month that today would be a day that we give towards the Joshua offering, which will go towards the land. You may say, David, I thought, I thought we closed on it on Thursday. Well, yes, we did, but we have 180 days between now and the time that we actually finalize that loan. So it's officially ours, but anything that's given will go towards uh, lowering the cost of what we will actually be... Uh, borrowing once the 180 days is over. So from now until then, we're going to be praying that the Lord will just allow us to pay that property off because we know that God owns a cattle on a thousand hill. We know that it's all his. And so we're just going to seek the Lord. And so today uh, at the end, we're going to give in our tithes and offering boxes. If you place on that for the Joshua, that will go directly to Uh, the debt payment or to the land purchase. There's other two other things that you can do, not only just give, but you can also pray for wisdom as we seek out a master plan uh, for the property, but also you can share your ideas online or you can share at the welcome desk. They have a thing that you can fill out, love for you to let us know about your thoughts and ideas as we pray about putting together a master plan for that property. We also have Kids Discovery Camp coming up on June 19th through June 23rd. Registration closes on May 31st. I was told that we're almost full. We're almost full. So if you have a 
a child, a grandchild, or somebody that you know that you want to be a part of this, please sign them up. We are so excited about how many people have signed up. Uh, it's June 19th, 9 a.m. to 2.30. The cost is 25, day, uh, 25 days, $25. And then we have uh, Memorial Day is tomorrow, so the church office will be closed. We will not have my Monday prayer time tomorrow. Many of y'all know um, that I will be leaving for taking a, uh, leading a group over to Israel. We leave this evening, actually. Uh, Wednesday night, will be Brother Oliver Kago will be here to, to preach Wednesday night. Sunday morning, I looked far and wide for the best preacher I could find, and I couldn't find one. So, we, uh, Brother Matthew Jacobs will be preaching on Sunday. I'm just picking with Brother Matthew. Amen. Now you may say, David, where did you get that joke? Brother Fred, he did it to me ten times. <laughs> Not that I'm counting. Um, so next Sunday, Brother Matthew will be teaching um, as I and Brother Randy will be uh, leading a team over in Israel. Many of you were praying for the last passport to come in, and it came in yesterday. <laughs> but let me just tell you how God works. All right, it wasn't supposed to be delivered till Tuesday, but the the family went to where the passport was, sitting in this big Mack truck, and we started praying for favor. And after talking to probably ten, fifteen different people, asking, "Is there any way that we can get that piece of mail out of that truck?" Somebody finally said, "I'll help you." And the person said, we were praying for favor while all this was happening. I had called other people. I said, start praying for favor. Pray that they can get in touch with the right person. And the person said this. He said that when, his, uh, when he got married, his passport didn't come in time for them to go out of the country for their honeymoon. And he said, I know how that feels, and I don't want you to have that same situation. And so he went in, and five minutes later came out with that package. And so everybody's passport is in. Praise the Lord. Thank you for praying. Amen. We are excited today as we're going to mostly finish the Sermon on the Mount. Let's just pray as we begin. Father, you are so good. We praise your holy name. And Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And Father, may today we recognize the importance of not just knowing your word, but obeying and following your word by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. For those who are born again, those who are in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God is in us. And so as we come into this room today, we know that you are here. You're with us today. And Father, we want your name to be glorified and lifted high in all that is said and done today. So Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. It's in the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for worshiping with us today. God is here and he's doing great things among us. Would you stand? Welcome somebody to Luke 418 Fellowship as we sing about our faithful God. Great is thy faithfulness, oh God my Father.
clap of praise if he's faithful today. And he is. Today we're going to talk about two foundations. One on Christ and one without. There's no way that we can stand without him. He is our cornerstone. The thing that we take all of our direction from. He is the way, the truth, and the life today. Can you sing, My Hope is Built? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing that again. My hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name.
Oh, may I then in him be found. Amen. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Would you sing this with me? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. You may be seated as we continue in worship today. We serve a God that is worthy of our praise. Without the blood of Christ, we cannot stand before the Father justified. It's His righteousness that covers us when we become children of God. So everything that we do in this life, we lay it at the feet of Jesus because He is our worthy Savior. All the saints and angels, they bow before your throne. All the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. there's anything between you and God today that you're holding on to, that you're loving more than Him, now's the time to set that right and put Him at that place, that throne of your life today. Let's sing that again, all the saints. All the saints and angels, they bow before your throne. All the cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you 
and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night. Night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. You are worthy of it all. that we will make room in our life for what Jesus is wanting to do with us. All of our gifts, what we do with our work, what we do with our family is all built around making Jesus great and to teach others about who He is. Here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender this is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, 
And I will make room for you To do whatever you want to To do whatever you want to And I will make room for you To do whatever you want to To do whatever you want to and I will make room for you, Jesus, to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you, to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Change us, Lord, make us into your image, Jesus. Shake up the ground of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better, your way is better. Shake up the ground. you want to, to do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you, to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, here is where I lay it down, you are all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that you have saved us, that you have forgiven us our sins. We pray today that we would do the work that you have laid before us to do, that we would carry our cross, 
that we would live our life by faith and not by worry or anxiety or in our own power. We pray today, Lord, that we would build this house, that you would build this spiritual house with Christ at the cornerstone. We know that's the only way that it's going to stand. And we know that there will be a day where we will see you face to face, our King and our Savior and our Lord. Our faith will become sight, but until that day, allow us to do the work. Allow us to understand the grace that you have given us in full. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is leading and guiding and directing us, Lord. And for those that do not yet have the Spirit with them, that have not accepted you as Savior, Lord, we pray for opportunities to go in Christ, that we would know all that we need to know, that we would grow together in Christ, and that we would go in you to all the world. Let it be today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Wow, where do I go from there? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to Matthew chapter 7. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for about a year now, and we are coming down to the last few verses. And let me just tell you, the King is coming, and He is returning. And as He has spoken multiple times, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, here at the end, He has said many times that every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now for us who are in Christ Jesus, we can sing and raise our hands and rejoice that the King is coming. But there's many all across our city, all across our state, our world, who cannot rejoice today that the King is coming. They don't recognize or realize what is going to take place. I shared with you last week that we must be sharing the truth of the gospel, that there's a difference between a religion and relationship. There's difference between somebody who just confesses and somebody who truly confesses and truly believes in Christ. And today we're going to see as Jesus gives us another example of this final judgment that will take place. We focused in on the last several weeks of this, that Jesus has showed us that these multiple comparisons, he showed us that there's two gates, one is wide and one is narrow. He showed us that there's two paths, the wide path and the narrow path. He showed us that those paths lead to two different destinations, one destruction and the other life. He showed us that there are false teachers out there that will clothe themselves like sheep, but inwardly they're, they're wolves. He showed us that there's two trees. They look the same, but yet they give off two different fruit. One gives off good fruit, which shows that the tree is good, and the other gives off bad fruit, which shows that the tree is bad. Jesus speaks that, those, that there are those who truly believe and those who do not truly believe. He shares that, that both will say, Lord, Lord, on that day, but only those who have done the will of the Father will enter in to heaven. Those who confess Jesus as Lord but truly don't believe in Christ, have not truly given their life to Christ, submitted to the Lordship of Christ, they will experience the second death, which is the lake of fire. Today, as we close this, Jesus gives one more illustration in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Pick up in your Bible with me. You'll see it on the screen. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may com be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew against and slammed against the house and it fell. And great was its fall. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage, we recognize 
that it's only by the Holy Spirit of promise that we can understand your word. Uh, Father, give us insight today. May the Holy Spirit illuminate the pages. Uh, Father, I pray that we would walk in obedience of your truth. Now, Father, I ask that you would empty me and put me on the front row that I may too hear and listen to that which you are speaking. Father, I'm desperately dependent on you today as I am every day to proclaim your truth. But Father, I stand on the promise that you will not leave me nor forsake me and that you, you will speak today for your word will not return void and it will accomplish that which it was set out to do. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. So the first thing I want us to see in this passage is that very first word, therefore. Remember, when it says therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Y'all are getting it. I like this. So Jesus has now spoken this whole Sermon on the Mount. And he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them. What are the words that he's speaking? Well, we can see first off that he's talking about the whole Sermon on the Mount. Right? He's talking about, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And, and throughout the Beatitudes, and how he says that, that you are to be salt and light, and how he speaks about the proper understanding of the law. And then he says that we are not to, to be anxious and worry, and we're not to be the final judge of other people. He's saying, all of these things I've presented, you've heard this, the whole Sermon on the Mount. But let me just tell you that for us as born-again believers, I believe that it goes even further than that. Because we have the full uh, context of God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. He who hears these words of mine, the Word became flesh, it dwelt among us. We have God's breath, God's Word here. So yes, in context, we need to look at it as the full Sermon on the Mount. When he's speaking this to the people there on that mountainside, on that side overlooking the Sea of Galilee, he's saying, now that you've heard the words, now that you've heard the gospel, now that you've heard all that I've spoken, a wise builder is one who obeys these words. But church, we can recognize that this not simply just the Sermon on the Mount, that it is all of God's words. Jesus then says to them, in some sense, he says, hey, now you have a choice. You've heard my words. I've shared with you the gospel. I've shared with you that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I've shared with you all these things. So now the question is, what will you do with that which you have heard? Jesus gives this this choice, this question to them in his closing argument, so to say, in the closing portions of this message. And in doing so, he gives them a parable. He gives them a parable of two builders. So we see here that there are two builders or two people in this passage. What's interesting is that they have a lot of similarities. First off, They both, you can look at verse 24 and you can look at verse 26. They start the same. It says this, everyone who hears these words of mine, and then verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. The two builders both hear the same words. The two builders hear the message. Well, 
Another similarity, not only that they both hear, but they're both builders. They're both building a house. What's interesting is, is that both of these houses, we can look into context and just simply say that they probably look identical, except for one key issue that we'll talk about in a second. We can also come to a conclusion that they're in the same area because we see the exact same effects of the circumstances or the situation or, or the climate, as you would say, the winds, the waves. That it gives the exact same verbiage, the exact same words. So here we have two builders. They both here. They're both building a house. The houses look identical. They are building in the same area. If you were to look at these two houses, they would look the same to you. Just like those trees would look the same. But there's one glaring difference. Now when I say glaring, it's not something that we could just see from the outward. And that is this, the choice. Whether they will act upon God's word or whether they will be foolish and not act upon God's word. Jesus says that one is wise. He's the one who listens to the wisdom or the word of God and obeys it. One is foolish. He listens to the word or the wisdom of God and he does not obey the instructions. Church, let me just remind you of last week. True belief leads to a submitting to the lordship of Christ. When we submit to the lordship of Christ and truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that that we're sinners in need of a savior. He died on the cross for us. He is the son of God and he rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Church, if we truly believe that, I shared this last week, then we will truly believe and follow his word. People who say that they believe God's word but do not obey God's word does not truly believe God's word. Is that not what James said, the half-brother of Jesus in James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25? Therefore, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility, receive what? The word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But one who looks uh, intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Church, this example of James, he's saying, you know, if, if you hear God's word, but you don't obey it, it's like looking in a mirror and you're seeing who you really are. You're seeing that you're a sinner in need of a savior. But then you say, I'm just going to walk away and forget the fact that I'm in need of a savior. But those who hear God's word and walk in obedience, they recognize and truly believe that, that Jesus is who he says he is. And their obedience shows proof of their belief. Now let me just be very clear. I'm not saying that we have a works-based salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone. Church, we cannot work our way to God. If we could, then we would be belittling the holiness of God. Let me just say that again. 
If we think that we can work our way to be able to stand before the holiness of God, even in all of our sinfulness, then we are belittling the holiness of God by saying that we could work our way to stand in His holiness. Church, we must recognize that salvation is in Christ alone. We cannot work our way. When you are saved, when you believe, when you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior... You are, as the scripture says, a new creation. You're now alive spiritually. Can I just ask you, because I struggle with keeping things alive at my house when it comes to plants. But what do things that are alive do? They grow. They grow. Things that are not alive, do they grow? I can tell you, no, they don't. I got a lot of plants at my house and I struggle with them. Somebody needs to help me. Things that are alive, they grow. This growth spiritually in our life is called sanctification. Growth shows that we're spiritually alive. So what Jesus is saying here is that if you truly believe you once were dead, now you're alive. And if you're truly alive, you're going to what? Grow. And ultimately, things that are growing, that are alive, produce what? Fruit. So church, when we look at this, what what Jesus is saying here is not that you earn your salvation by working your way, by doing all these good works. There's many that will say, look at all the works I did. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You worker of lawlessness. Church, what Jesus is saying is that when you begin to walk in obedience of God's word, it's a sign that shows you that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you from the point of salvation, that you are now alive in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you were here Wednesday night, we talked about this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as he was leaving his disciples on John, in John 14, verses 1 through 6, he says, don't be, let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. And he says that, that he's going to prepare a place, right? He says, if I go, I'm going to, what, come back and receive you. Then Jesus gives that incredible statement in verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he goes on down and he says, hey, listen, don't be worried, but God the Father, He's going to send the Helper. Look at what it says in verse 26 of chapter 14. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Church, the Holy Spirit, a promise. When we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we once were dead, now we're alive, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, a promise. Church, the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life. Here's what he's doing. He's teaching you. Why do I pray? Father, illuminate the pages today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Teach us your word that we would walk in obedience. What else does the Holy Spirit do? He brings to our remembrance all that who said? Jesus said. He brings to our remembrance his holy word. 
Church, when Jesus says those who truly believe are like a wise man, who wa- those who truly walk in obedience of my word is like a wise man, he's saying that you're filled with the Holy Spirit who brings to memory, to, to mind his word, who teaches you his word. Church, in John 16, he goes even further and says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. What is truth? Jesus said, sanctify them in your word, for your word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It says in John 1 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he was full of grace and truth. Church, the Holy Spirit, he will guide us in all truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Church, we must recognize. Jesus is speaking here that there are two builders. One is wise. He listens to the word. He hears the word. And he walks in obedience of the word. Jesus throughout scripture tells us that we in our own ability and own power and our own strength cannot walk in obedience of God's word. But that's why Jesus said, I go away and it's good for you that I go away. That God the Father will send the Holy Spirit of promise to live within you so that he enables you through his power to walk in obedience of God's word. But here's the key. He doesn't make you walk in obedience. He gives you the power. He gives you the strength. He reminds you of God's word. He leads you in the truth. He guides you according to the truth, which is Jesus according to his words. But he doesn't make you. Church, we must decide to walk in the spirit. The scripture tells us in Galatians chapter 5, He who lives, maybe it's 6, 5, Galatians 5. He who lives by the Spirit must also what? Walk by the Spirit. That word walk means to follow in, to to obey that which was spoken. If you're walking in the Spirit, then you are obeying the Holy Spirit in you. Now, I just want to go even further because this just makes my head hurt in a good way. I get overwhelmed. You know, I like to get overwhelmed by God and not by circumstances. But this is what just overwhelms me. Is that the Holy Spirit of promise who enables us to walk in obedience of God's word is with us always. The scripture says forever. And here's the beauty of it. Jesus, God the Father, they sent the Holy Spirit not just to float around on this earth, but to dwell in you and me. Church, I'm getting on a plane in just a little bit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's going with me. But you know what's cool? It's just going to be right here with you. Uh, church, think about this. The creator God of the universe. It says that, that they were all there in the beginning creating. It's incredible that God, the creator, would put his Holy Spirit inside of you and me. Church, if that doesn't overwhelm you, then I don't know how to overwhelm you. And here's the interesting thing, and I shared this Wednesday night. 
But here's the interesting thing. Oftentimes we get too focused on all the things around us instead of focusing in on the true temple of God, which is us. Listen, I shared this Wednesday night. Churches split over the color of carpet because they're arguing over it. Can I tell you, this is just a room. This is just an auditorium. You and I, we are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. God has placed his sanctuary in you. He's placed his sanctuary in me and filled it with the Holy Spirit of promise. Yes, I want this room to be beautiful. I want it to be lovely. I want it to look nice. But let me tell you something. I'm more focused on the heart of the people than I am of this room. Let's keep going. We see that there are two builders. We also see that there are two foundations. Now, I've built a house promise I won't do it again. I don't need to say that. Because once you say you won't do something, then, you know. But I've built a house before. And can I tell you, I never knew how important a foundation is. When I first moved to Mobile, I was looking for a house to purchase. And I walked in this one house. I was like, man, this house is beautiful. It's nice. It's just incredible. I really like it. But then we got into the den area. And you could put like a ball, a golf ball, and it would roll down to the other side. I was like, man, from the outside, this place, this place looks really nice, but why, what, what, what's happening here? You know, you're kind of walking downhill. So we got up underneath the house, and guess what? We found out it's got a bad foundation. The, fa- the house was falling in on itself. The house wasn't supported. And Jesus says that there are two foundations here, two builders, Two foundations. Luke chapter 6 gives us an even clearer understanding of these two foundations. Look at what it says in verse 46 through 49. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and and not do what I say? He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When the floods occurred and uh, the, the torrent bust against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who heard and was not acting accordingly is like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 6 or 7, He says that there's one that builds his house on the rock, one that builds his house on the sand. But in Luke 6, it gives us even a clearer understanding that not only is it the sand, but there's no foundation under that house. Church, there's nothing for that house to anchor to. Now listen, we live in Mobile. How many of y'all been through hurricanes? I wasn't even alive for Frederick, but I hear it was bad. Brother Fred told me one day, he said Hurricane Frederick came through. And I got phone call after phone call. Man, God heard my prayer and spared our house. We have no trees down on it. He said, well, after all the phone calls I got, God must have been so busy with all those houses protecting them that I had like 19 trees on mine. He was just messing around, as Brother Fred always loved to do. But church, can you imagine a house with no foundation going through a hurricane? It would fall down 
very quickly. I don't even think it would take a hurricane to pull down a house with no foundation. So Jesus here is saying there's two foundations. There's the one that's on the rock, and there's the one that essentially is no foundation at all, which is on the ground or the sand. Now, let's look first at the rock. The rock is firm. It doesn't shift. Now, in Matthew 16, Jesus gives this, excuse me, Peter gives this this powerful statement. They're in Caesarea Philippi, okay? And in this statement, he says, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I love what what comes after this. Jesus says, blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Stop there for a second. Who revealed that? Who spoke that to him? God. Uh, Church, think about this for a moment. For us to walk in obedience of God's word is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Even Peter proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, was God the Father speaking through him. Now you may say, but David, what if God doesn't speak to somebody? God says in the scripture that he is drawing people to himself all the time. All the time. He is constantly drawing to him. Jesus said, blessed are you for being able to speak this. It says this, I also say to you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Church, I want you to know that that word rock there, there's many things that we can look at. We can look at at the area, and I've shared that with you, about how it was a pagan area of Caesarea Philippi that Jesus was saying, on this rock I will build my church. And I believe that 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 is significant because Jesus was saying that that the church is going to be in the midst of a pagan world, but the church is going to grow and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against God's church. But can I tell you that another thing that I see here is that the church will be built on the rock. Who's the church? We're the church. That's why I call this the church house. Because the church is here. We're the church. And he's building the church on what? The rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. We see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Church, we must recognize that in in this situation here in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus is speaking to Peter and he's saying, hey, that confession, upon your confession that you're speaking, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, it is upon that that you will build the church, that the church will be built, that, that And I said you, Jesus says that he will build his church. I want to make sure I correct that because Jesus is the one who's doing that. But church, we must recognize that this foundation is Christ. Those who listen and hear and obey God's word are building their life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. John 1 says the word became flesh, dwelt among us. Church, when we listen And obey. We're like wise builders who build our house upon the rock. The word of God, that's what I love. The word of God, it will stand forever. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Church, do you want to build your life On something that will stand forever or do you want to build your life on shifting sand? You want to build your life on something that will never change? 
Or do you want to build your life on something that's changing constantly? Church, we see that there are two foundations. The rock, Jesus Christ, the word of God that you build your house upon are the sand, which is actually no foundation at all. Church, it's, it's shifting sand. Think about building a, uh, a sandcastle. How quickly does it fall? Listen, the culture, when you build your life on the sand with no foundation in Christ, you're building your life on the culture and the direction of this world. The culture continues to change and to shift. That which you thought was right one day is offensive the next. That which you thought was secure one day, just a few days later, is taken away. The culture and the world's view will constantly change. Let me tell you why it'll change. Let me tell you why it's shifting sand. It will continually change because the enemy has to keep lying and lying and lying to culture. Because here's what's happening. People believe the lie of the enemy. They walk in it. They're not satisfied. Because true satisfaction or peace and joy and all of that comes from who? Christ. And so the enemy lies. They believe that. They walk in it. They find destruction. They find pain. They find hurt. And so the enemy says, oh, oh, well, it's actually this. And so then they start running that direction. And then then they say, oh, well, all I found is pain and hurt here. And so the enemy says, oh, well, just go a little bit further and go a little bit further until ultimately what? Destruction. Death. Church, you have two identical houses. And by looking at them, they both look good. But the problem is, is that underneath it all shows the reality that there's two different foundations. You know, it's interesting that Jesus has been showing us over and over in the Scripture that there will be a lot of people who will look religious will have a confession, but their foundation is truly on sand. Remember the wolves? They're dressed in sheep's clothing, but inwardly what? They're wolves. They're different on the inside. And the only way to know the difference is to test their teaching by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. What about the two trees? The only way for us to to know the difference between those two trees is to test it by looking at their fruit that comes forth from their lives. And now we see two houses that look the same with two different foundations. So how do we know the difference between the two houses? The scripture tells us. It says this, The rains fell on both and the floods came on both and the winds blew and slammed against both. One stood and one fell. Church, the truth is revealed when the storms of life come. Let me just go back and say that. The truth is revealed for the ravenous wolves by looking and testing what they're speaking according to the word of God. The trees are, are verified by their fruit that comes forth from their life. Good tree bears good fruit. Bad tree bears bad fruit. Those with a foundation of sand versus those with a foundation on the rock will be shown through the storms that come in life. John Stott says it this way. It may be the storm of crisis or calamity that uncovers the genuineness or falseness of their claim to faith. If not the storms of life, certainly the storm of the day of judgment will reveal that 
which is hidden. So church, there's two builders, there's two foundations, and there's two results. There's two results. Let me just remind you that in Galatians chapter 6, it says, God shall not be mocked, you shall reap what you sow. Church, there's two different results. For the wise builder who obeyed God's word, heard it and obeyed it, it says that the house stood. For the foolish builder who heard God's word and did not act upon it, it says that great was its fall. So let's just look at that for a minute. When trials of life come, the one whose foundation is on the word will stand. Let's think about this, the trial of sickness. The trial of sickness. Have you ever gotten the phone call, hey, doctor says, hey, you have this, you have that. Sometimes they say this is curable, sometimes they say it's incurable, sometimes they tell you, hey, you have about this amount of time left. But see, for those who's built their life on the rock, the word tells us that God's our healer, and so we can stand. The word tells us that no matter what happens, God's ways are better than our ways. The word tells us that our body is temporal and it's groaning to be in the presence of the Lord. And it says this in 2 Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Church, when your house is built upon the rock and this trial of sickness comes, You're able to stand because that trial doesn't define you. You are born again. You are in Christ. You are a child of the living God. God has the final say. And even if he brings you home, you spend eternity with him. What about those who have built their house on the sand and they get that phone call? They're going to do everything they can, and I'm not saying that believers don't, but they're going to do everything they can to try to find some type of assurance and get some type of fix. Because ultimately they have no hope at the end of this life. What about the trial of the pain of loss? Maybe you are mourning the passing of a, of a brother, a sister, a family member. Today on Memorial Day or Memorial Weekend, those that, that are mourning the passing of, of a loved one who fought in the armed services. Church, for those who have built their house upon the rock, we don't mourn as those with no hope. Paul said it. He said, I don't want you to, to, to be unaware, brethren, That we don't mourn as those with no hope. See, the word of God tells us that we have hope. The word of God tells us that we can have peace in the midst of the pain and the loss. The word of God tells us that that peace comes from crying out to God. As it says in Philippians chapter 4, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Church, the word tells us that we stand upon that in the midst of a lost, of a brother or sister in Christ, that this is not goodbye, but this is we'll see you soon. But the world, who's built their house upon the sand, mourns without hope has unanswered questions, can't figure out what's the meaning to all of this. Church, I have done way more funerals than I would like to. And the reason I say that is because I don't don't like doing funerals because it's painful, right? I love doing them to be with people, but it's painful, right? I wish that we would just eat of the tree of life and live forever. 
But can I tell you, I can't fathom a family going through a funeral without the assurance of the rock. What about the trial of losing temporal things like the loss of money or material things? For those whose house is upon the rock, the world tells us, the word tells us that this is not our home. The world tells us that all these things that were taken from us or stolen from us, well, they're going to burn up one day. The word tells us that our treasures in heaven cannot be taken away. It can't be stolen. But if your foundation is on the sand, then when you lose everything, then you you have nothing. You react to the situation and oftentimes you find people trying to go back and have revenge against this person or that person and anger just, just swells up in them and they're trying for the rest of their life to regain all that they had. But church, for a born-again believer, we're able to say, hey, listen, that was just temporary things. I've been bought with a price. I'm a child of the living God. The storms of life, seem so big. And they will show you the true foundation. But can I tell you that though the storms of life seem so big, in reality they're nothing in comparison to the storm of judgment that is coming. Church, I've told you several times over the last few weeks that Jesus is speaking of the final judgment that is to come. There's a wide path leads to destruction. Those who do not do the will of the Father, they will experience the second death, which is the lake of fire. And now we see those who are foolish and do not hear, or excuse me, hear, but do not obey God's word, great is their fall. Church, the foundation will be shown on the day of judgment. Jesus three times has told us That final judgment is coming and that everyone will encounter it. Three times. I told you if it's one time, it's important in the Bible. If it's two times, it's extremely important. If it's three times, I don't even know how to express how important it is. Jesus three different times says that the final judgment is coming. I cannot express to you how important this is. We must ask ourselves today, what foundation is my life upon? Is my foundation upon the rock or is it upon the sand? When I think of this, the Lord reminds me of this final judgment. I shared it last week. I'll say it again as I close. Every one of us, as we sang the King is coming, we rejoice. Every one of us will stand before the throne of God one day. And the only way that you can stand is if you are upon the rock. When the storm of judgment, the wrath of God comes, only those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ upon the rock will be able to stand in the presence of holy God. Church, it's not by our works, it's not by our merit, it is by the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection from the grave. Church, we must ask ourselves when we stand before the throne, is our foundation on the rock or is it on the sand? Because those 
who are on the sand may have a house that looks the same as somebody who's on the rock. But let me tell you, when the wrath of God, the judgment of God falls down on that house, great is their fall. There's two paths. There's two confessions, one that's true, one that's not true. And there's two builders. Those who hear God's words and obey them, it's like a wise builder. They inherit the kingdom of God. They are with Christ for all eternity. But those who hear God's word and do not obey or does not obey, they will experience the second death, which is the lake of fire. So I close by asking this question. I've shared with you over the last several weeks, and I'll say it every Sunday because I believe that we're always called to proclaim the gospel. But I've shared with you over and over and over again that the only way to stand is to hear God's word that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that Jesus went to the cross for you and rose again on the third day. Church, the question is, will you walk in obedience of that calling? The free gift of eternal life is there as you hear over and over his truth. But will you stand in the righteousness of Jesus by believing and walking in obedience of his word?